The year is 1990. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Sarah Century. And this is My Marvelous Year. My Marvelous Year. This is 1990 part something. Part four? Does that part sound four. about right? It is part four. Part yeah. four. And uh, today we got myself, Dave, founder of comicbookherald.com, Zach Dean, regular co-host of My Marvelous Year, mm-hmm. and special guest, Sarah Century. Sarah, thanks so much for joining right off the bat. Sarah, in a previous episode, Zach and I feuded about the quality of Jim Lee's artwork. <laughs> about whether or not it's good in this era. We just, uh, it, to give you some context for where we are, so we're in 1990 here as we read through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We are just getting into Jim Lee, kind of joining up with Chris Claremont and X-Men. I think we've read his uh, his initial like forays into Gambit's debut. What are your thoughts on Jim Lee as a 90s Marvel artist? <laughs> well, I was going to say that I really like Jim Lee's work in the 90s. Uh-huh. And then I remembered his Gambit, who is such a <laughs> sketchball. Because, um, <laughs> like, you know how later Gambit had, like, a cool look more? And then in those first yeah, appearances, yeah. you read it, like, I, what is it, X-Men 266? Um, yep. Yeah, so you read that comic, and Gambit does not look like a cool dude in that comic. He looks no. real creepy. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got like, he, he's got the dark, kind of like ambiguously colored eyes, you know, sort yeah. of thing going. But his hair, it's more like, it's more stacked than flowing. It's almost more like Legion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like mm-hmm. the elements of the design are there, but it's not, yeah, I don't know that it's cool yet. Uh, definitely, we had some debate so far about like, is Lee, is it good, like, visual storytelling? I think this is going to be a continuing 90s debate, honestly, because so many of the, yeah. you know, the image guys, right? And just that st- that style over substance thing, that style over storytelling thing, I- I'm sure will continue to be <laughs> a debate as we go it's through the 90s. Much worse, yeah. <laughs> we, were talking yeah. Oh, about yeah. in, we were talking about it in the Slack today, and um, I-, I think I figured out, like, some some of my issues with it. He just has so much pencil on the page, right? It makes me like think like whoever's inking him, I do not envy that task of trying to turn his like his raw pencils into a complete image, mm-hmm. um, especially if you just kind of trace them as like the thin, scratchy pencil marks he does, because there's just so much detail going on. I think that's like my my big issue with it, like the readability of it, um, because he just packs so much uh, pencil work into it compared to like Liefeld, which we were reading earlier, where like. He has a lot of your favorite scratchy <laughs> felt. I, that's I love how you've said now, this. Now, Robert, of, like, Robert is also known for the technique you're describing here. He, he does hatching. have, but but he he does, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's there's not nearly as much of it in like the detail work everywhere, right? Like, maybe he, not he yet. A lot of, but we haven't yeah. read we haven't read a whole lot well, of Robert that, yet. This is the, uh, all we've all only we've only covered the debut of Cable, and I we should point read, out yeah. we're covering absolutely none of that here today um and honestly i guess there's we can still feel some of that influence in the comics we'll be discussing uh in the art styles to a degree to a degree um although there's some distinct differences i would say so today 
And in our ongoing coverage of 1990 comics, we're going to talk about Ghost Rider, number one to number six. These comics were included as a special favor to you, Sarah. So I, I think when you um, when you said that you'd come back on, but only if we talked Ghost Rider Danny <laughs> Ketch, you really held our feet to the fire, the Ghost Rider of Vengeance Flames. Yeah. And so, so Danny's, and I got to say, before we get into him, I was reluctant to do this. Uh, I actually really enjoyed myself reading these comics. I had a good time. Yeah. Wor- I- worth pointing out, Sarah's Sarah's our, our first repeat guest, so thank you very much, Sarah. Oh, yeah. What's mm-hmm. up? I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've we've got a couple coming up, but you're you're our first, so that's excellent. Neat. Um, and yeah, I, I love that you added something to the list that you uh, you're passionate about. <laughs> and Dave, you talked on an episode a few episodes ago. You were like you mentioned offhandedly like these Ghost Rider issues, and you're like, yeah, I really gotta talk to Sarah about this. Like, I, I got a bone to pick with her about this. <laughs> and I was curious what it was. I thought you were gonna come in, uh, you know, pretty negative about this, but you, it seems like you like them. I thought I was I thought I was gonna have a harder time with them than I did. Um, Sarah, before we dig into the you know our feelings on the comics, definitely why why did you want to include this Ghost Rider uh, like these Ghost Rider issues and kind of what does it mean to you as a as a fan? Yeah, I was gonna say too because wasn't it months? It was like months in advance. You were like, oh, if you ever want to come back on, and I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I will come back on in four months <laughs> um, to <laughs> yes. talk about yeah. Ghost Rider. Uh, yeah, I love Ghost Rider. I have always loved Ghost Rider. This is a comic I've been reading since I was a kid. It was something that I was reading alongside X-Men. I think actually maybe the first Ghost Rider story I probably read was like a Marvel holiday special kind of Ghost Rider like tiny story. And um, I remember just falling in love with it. This was a comic that was hot whenever I was a kid. Like, I would think um, I was, like, seven whenever this came out. So I wasn't quite reading comics yet. But a few years Mm -hmm. down the line, I started picking up the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider series. And, of course, it's it's a series that leaves off on a cliffhanger, right? Because it started as Mm -hmm. kind of like a darling of, like, the comic book press back when it was, like, Wizard Magazine, right? And then um, towards the end, they were like, this is the worst comic being put out by Marvel. Um, And from what I remember, the creative team changed like a little bit, but not a lot. I think like the same artist maybe was still on it. And I don't remember. But uh, basically, I just remember that the series ends on a cliffhanger and it took 10 years for them to put out the final issue. Right. So this was like, to me, it was a weird series um, in some ways, but it was also a really good series. And I remember it was totally any 10 year old, right? You know, in the 90s would probably love Ghost Rider. (laughs) Um, But when I read them back, I find a lot there, honestly, and I can understand why I was reading them. Yeah, for sure. And I do appreciate, too, that like Ghost Rider in this relaunch. So he he launches with a new number one issue, a 1990 series. It's written by Howard Mackey. We've got art here by Javier Salteris, inks by Mark Teixeira, colors by Gregory Wright. And uh, Ghost Rider kind of immediately, it establishes the idea as a legacy character, Mm -hmm. which is something that Marvel has had a harder time with, I think, than um, DC, although certainly the 90s is kind of the era of legacy, like when we look on the DC Comics side of things, this is when we get new people filling in for Batman. We get all sorts of different Superman during the death of Superman event, right? Right. And in Ghost Rider, we get instead of them going back to the well of Johnny Blaze, you know, which is a character that I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in now, kind of where he is in the Marvel landscape. But like in his heyday, in those early runs, I just can't quite get into that series. But then it relaunches here, saying, okay, we're gonna do it with this young teenage Danny Ketch, who is like scared of everything to do with the ghost rider like mm-hmm. like his personality off the bat is 
he's not the brave one. He's not the hero, quote unquote. He's a little more Peter Parkerish um, than than maybe you'd expect. A little what? Rick Jones ish. Sure. Sure, yeah, not as not as cool, calm as collected. I don't know if he can sing as well as Rick, but um, but no, he's he's gonna take over as the spirit of vengeance. And I think Sarah, to your point, in terms of like, I don't know, it can often be used as a pejorative, saying like, oh, this is great for a ten year old. But I actually really enjoy almost like a like a '90s animated series vibe of these first six issues, just in their simplicity, in their just like earnest earnest efforts to just have childlike. Fun, if that's a word that can be used with a demon, a vengeance demon. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there's tons of violence too, but it's like PG 13. You never really see the blood, right? Or like it'll oh, be like, sure. oh, yeah. like, she's except bleeding, for the, but it's like black. Uh, or like. He does punch through somebody's skull once, yeah. and it's incredibly yeah. violent. There's one where he just punches someone in the face, and it does just look like their head <laughs> is exploding. Uh, and then later he talks about how he is not, uh, he's like the vengeance, spirit of vengeance, but. Uh, like he doesn't kill people and it's like you really clearly killed someone earlier <laughs> yeah totally um yeah no i i agree it's kind of like it's what we were saying was missing from all the earlier ghost writers because we're like wow what a cool idea what a cool aesthetic and it's never really what you hope it would be mm-hmm. right with like all the jo- the silver age johnny blaze stuff this is kind of that it's uh it's very like heavy metal it's very like 80s action movie um mm-hmm. i i don't know if i see much like that it hits uh any deeper points but i think like if you're kind of looking for ghost rider to to be like what you think ghost rider is this this is the first time we've seen that right where it like, kind of successfully like fulfills its promise sure uh, i am curious to see what you like you have seen in it on rereads though sarah yeah well sir what's your what's your uh like as far as danny catch as a character is concerned yeah. Yeah, yeah. what's the what do you think the appeal of danny is especially by comparison to what we've known at this point which is johnny blaze right and i have to say that i do love johnny blaze as a character and those goofy goofy like early johnny blaze stories to me are very fun um sure but they are wild and they don't make any sense and johnny mm-hmm. blaze just causes his own problems well when he pivots to satan as his like right. oh, i'm in trouble what am i gonna i better call satan satan can you <laughs> can you just help me out here um yeah <laughs> that's great okay he's he's a bad decision maker which i think is what his appeal is right um that's why i like him is because he just famously makes some of the worst decisions of the entire Marvel universe. However, Mm -hmm. whenever you bring Danny Ketch in, it gets a little bit more complicated because you get the feeling as much as, you know, I like Johnny, but he is kind of like a himbo, right? Like he's like has some sadness, but he's also just kind of um, not that deep, I guess. Like, and also can just kind of, there's whole issues where he's just like, sure. I was in hell last issue, but today I just want to ride. And like, you know, it's just like, (laughs) he doesn't have that same, um, tortured feel, right. That Danny Mm. catch has it. Sometimes he does, but you know, Danny catch, I think brought a whole new era of the ghost rider because this was somebody who has moral complexity and he is obviously a complicated person. I, whenever you say that he's not necessarily your stereotypical hero and he does kind of resemble Peter Parker, that's what I was going to say too, is, is that he kind of resembles Peter Parker, but if Peter Parker had been cursed with something 
other than like really cool super strength and you know if peter parker had actually been cursed with something basically like if he had been cursed yeah with this like horrible demon that just like takes lives and stuff that's that he barely controls that's kind of how i feel about danny catch like that's the vibe i get and he also has really good intentions right like his sister is hurt and he wants to help her and like you know, it's just a different relationship from the very beginning than what Johnny had. Like, Johnny was kind of uh, maybe trying to be altruistic, but still very self-serving. And, like, it kind of bites him in the butt, right? And, like, then you have Danny Ketch, who literally, like, who wouldn't be making deals, you know? Like, if, like, your sister yeah. is, like, dying right in front of you, you know? Um, and you're both so young, right? Like, they're both really young. They're in the cemetery. Like, all of this chaos is breaking out. And... You know, it's kind of his fault in a way because he's like, it's like him and her going through the cemetery and like they both know that they're not supposed to be there. Um, So all of that to me just immediately opens up a much more complicated character. And uh, they have a really good, obviously, at some point (laughs) way down the line, they're like, oh, yeah, actually, they're brothers or whatever. Okay, whatever. But um, even them as brothers, I think, is somewhat interesting because of their personality differences. Yeah, no, I've I've Danny Ketch is a character that has definitely grown on me. Um, The more comics I read, I mean, I, I think I mentioned, too. So, like, there's kind of a balance that this comic is is fighting. One is just, yeah, that like kind of. Just no holds bar action. I think Mackie and Salterius do a pretty good job at that sort of storytelling. You mm-hmm. know, so the villain in the first few issues, they have Death Watch. They have their own version of Blackout, even though that is a Marvel character that we've seen in the past who, like, you know, like controls the light in the area. This one's like a, a cannibalistic kind of vampire. Um, th- there is actually, like, it, it flirts with maturity at times in ways that I think are to the detriment of the story. You know, so like we read all, we read the first six issues, which all come out in 1990, and it flirts with maturity in the sense of like um, there's some really violent stuff that happens. You know, which is maybe par for the course what you'd expect in a 90s Ghost Rider comics. Uh, comics, but there's also like sexual violence that is heavily, heavily implied. Mm. Um, even saying it's implied is maybe like it. No, it's there. It's clear, uh, and it kind of you know it dips into the drug trade in that 80s, 90s way of Ghost Rider comics. But it, there's stuff where I'm like. They're dipping their toes into waters that are too serious for what this comic should be, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found that a little off-putting, I think. Not that, I, think that, I don't know. Not that those things can't be in comics, per se, but this comic is not I, prepared to talk about them. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind way. that so much. Like that, I, I kind of agree with you, but I, I think the reading the first handful of issues, I kept thinking, like, okay, well, he keeps talking about how he's this, like, spirit of vengeance, and, you know, th- this is clearly, like, a more violent hero than we've had before, right? Like, he punches through somebody's head, um, even though most of the time he doesn't kill, and that that that's, that, that felt confusing, like, <laughs> to me a little bit. Um, but then, like, I-, I kept thinking, like, well, what's the difference between him and Punisher, then? Right? Like, why is this sillier than Punisher? Because Punisher is also just killing people. And then they try to set up a dichotomy between the two of them that really does not get fleshed out in a way that feels uh, fulfilling to me or that it, like, really explores well, in any they kind, kind of nuanced of, they way. they kind like, of try to daredevil and Punisher him, you know? Mm-hmm. They they basically say with, with Ghost Rider, he's like, you know, because Ghost Rider stops Punisher from shooting a guy, right? right? From yeah. shooting one of the people they're hunting in the, in the team-up, which I actually otherwise really enjoy their team-up. I, I think those are yeah, two really fun sure. issues. That's yeah. Ghost Rider 5 and 6. Um, and Punisher asking I, I do if want he to say can too, get like, one of these motorcycles is a, an all-time great moment. <laughs> that is fun, like, yeah, yeah. Can frankly, I get one of these? Like, can I get one? That's awesome. <laughs> yes. um, 
But no, I think too, like not only is Ghost Rider violent and, and you know, we have to define the parameters there, but also like this this Marvel Universe, this Marvel New York is the most insanely violent I think we've ever seen it. Like <laughs> right. you, they literally just like step outside and there's a car pulling up just like shooting at civilians, right? Like this yeah. is what I'm saying yeah. with it dipping into quote unquote maturity, but it's doing it so fast and loose. Yeah. Like literally everyone in New York is a criminal and you better not leave your house because it's it's um I don't what's that crazy movie? The Purge. Like it's Purge <laughs> Night, every issue of Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yes. yes. The pacing so. is wild, right? Like that's yes. that's definitely something where even when you read it back, you're like, okay, they were cramming way too much stuff in every single one of these issues. I get it because mm-hmm. it was the time period for that, right? Like uh it's the same as reading like an issue of Uncanny X Men where you're like plot point plot point plot point and you're just like yeah, okay yeah. um i just need to take a breather. yeah at some point like the the alliances between death watch blackout kingpin <laughs> become a little a little messy but, but i think it like carries it through more or less like i i yeah i didn't feel totally like at, at a loss for what's going on but I, yeah I no, like it, it does the kingpin here i have yeah, to say yeah, in that sure. he's he over he's overseeing the criminal element but it's not really a kingpin story you know right like he is he is watching from above. He is taking note of the new Ghost Rider, but it's not like this Punisher versus Kingpin setup. You know, we see in the Punisher when he launches his series, it's more just him being like, yeah, Death Watch looks like a problem. Let's see how this plays out. <laughs> and it does the great thing of opening with Kingpin having a shirtless yep. sumo battle, <laughs> again, which is the every Kingpin uh, introduction needs to happen that way since Miller and they nail it here. He gets cut and he says uh, something to the effect of like, finish me. But like Kingpin is like lusting. Like, listen, Kingpin's getting hot and heavy here. This is what I'm talking <laughs> about when this comic gets sensual. <laughs> it's all big willy. Um, but yeah, I, I like his his inclusion in this story. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It definitely is one of those things where you're like, oh, Kingpin? Um, all right. <laughs> and then you just keep reading. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. 90s yeah. Marvel pretty much. Uh, I like the fact, the thing that I like the most is is that you start to see Danny already slipping on the influence of Ghost Rider, right? Like in the very beginning, mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want this. And then two issues later, it's, oh, am I right to deprive the world of this thing that, like, saves lives and, like, you know, holds the guilty accountable? And over time, the way that his story plays out, it's so tragic. Like, he gets rid of the Ghost Rider, and then he's, like, begging people to give him the Ghost Rider back. It's like, there's a lot of addiction themes for Danny Mm. and the Ghost Rider. And seeing that just, like, immediately, I think, was something where I was just like, I don't know that this is always handled very well, but I also appreciate that it's something where they're trying to handle, like, they're trying to talk about addiction, you know, and how, like, Ghost Rider, I guess, can be an addiction, too. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, as I say, it's a little bit heavy-handed. Yeah, I'm curious about that, because I I didn't, like, I I feel like I didn't pick up on too much of that here like he he read it's it's well, pretty I don't, I don't subtle think it's yeah yet, or right? no yeah, catch... i mean there's there's like a few panels of yeah it, right well he where... does try to like he he literally does try to like put the bike in storage yeah and then he's forced to bring it out and then he's just like i think i will keep it yeah <laughs> you know totally. like totally yeah, yeah there, there's stuff like that for him i i do wish like his characterization i was like hoping to get a little more of his like conflict because his, his conflict is really just like um what's the word like angst over his sister and being frustrated Mm -hmm. that he has this ghost rider power but that can't help his sister and then just like oh yeah there's violence nearby i have to stop it you know because it's the right thing to do and and i i yeah i was hoping hoping for and maybe you know get this in the future a little more of him like 
really grappling with what's going on because it does feel like there's no choice here. You know, like, he didn't make a choice to become Ghost Rider, mm -hmm. necessarily. Like, he just put his hand on something that was glowing. And he kind of never ghost. does, yeah. That's, like, the, yeah. his part of his trajectory, I think, is, is like, he's yeah. he's almost always questioning it. Like, even later, he's, like, there's multiple times where he either tries to quit or does quit because mm -hmm. he is conflicted about what the Ghost Rider does, um, yeah. which is different. You know, like, Johnny's kind of, like that was a crazy night <laughs> whereas like Danny's just like oh my god I think I like crushed somebody's head um <laughs> so. I do I do like all the scenes here where you know it's Danny in the kitchen and he sees like a Daily Bugle headline and it's like Ghost Rider terrorizes no. again and he just loses it he's like no what what happened <laughs> and his like, girlfriend's he's... like what's up and he's like nothing <laughs> yeah like, yeah okay, and you can't bud. talk about it I know, I know. Yeah, it is. It, it it's almost funny, but then yeah, you're right. It does kind of have that heartbreaking setup of like, you know, it's like a night after a binge, right? And those those potential parallels and metaphor that maybe get fleshed out a little more as the story goes. Yeah, um, yeah. I again, I didn't. I I actually wanted to keep reading more of this than I expected to because I I had definitely tried these issues in the past and I didn't think a ton of them. I think you know part of the challenge for me is definitely like. I, I can't super get into Javier Salterra's art at this point. Hmm. Um, and he's on the series for a while. It's like, I don't know, it's it's pejorative, but like it's good workmanlike storytelling. I, I'm never at a loss for what's happening. But I think given the sort of stylistic revolution, it's like, it's sort of like on the cusp of like trying, you know, the Liefeld and the Lee and the McFarlane stuff without ever nailing it for me, I guess. Oh, um, it so, doesn't. so interesting. Because like I, I thought the, the comparison to Lee, I think, is like really apt. But I think he's. I think he's trying to do that, but it's like watered down. It's less audacious thing, you know? for sure, but I think it's a little more successful. Like at least it, I, I feel like it succeeds at what it's trying to do a, a little bit more to me. At I least. like the heavy uh, shadow work. That's kind of my big yeah. thing. I mm -hmm. like the fact that he's good at uh, finding like the blacks on the on the page. You know, like all of the um, heavy ink places. Um, but like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. He is good at that. And also, yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing. I do appreciate these kind of wild action sequences. I think it's a little messy at this time. I think both him and, you know, the inker, um, both of them get better and return to Ghost Rider again and again, honestly, too. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. been nice to see the evolution of those artists. Some, and there's a lot really to be said fun... for consistency and owning the character. Go ahead, Zach. Well, so, some really fun action like moments here too which like is a big part of what i felt was missing from ghost rider is like you know it, it should be this kind of big extra over the top thing and like here he, he revs by a cop car and he just leans over on his bike picks it up and flips it with one hand <laughs> right you yeah know? like yeah. stuff like that or driving up the side of the building you know some really cool visuals of him driving up the mm. side of the building leaving the flames like you know it actually made me want to watch the nick cage ghost rider movie which, kind of which is, which is something kind of, that they're, comics they're, don't typically do but i was yeah, like i want to watch them and fun yeah 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 well you know you, you'll get the same go on youtube and just watch like all the action scenes oh and you'll yeah kind of get like what you'll kind of get what you need from them that's that's okay. what i've done we covered okay, it on bitches on it. comics one of the patreon specials so if you scroll yeah. back i know that you're subscribed so if you scroll <laughs> yes. back a little bit you will find the ghost rider episode where we're just like this movie is just baffling I saw the and amazing i saw the second one in theaters when i was like 18 i remember really having fun with it it's um, fun sure. yeah i like both of them honestly like they're both yeah. pretty cool yeah, now, yeah, another thing that I thought was pretty cool was the use of uh, Mr. Hyde oh, yeah. in Ghost Rider number four. Yeah. I actually loved that issue. Uh, I think the we so rarely get to see 
Dr. Zabo, you know, the Jekyll. I, I didn't even know he had a Jekyll. I thought he was you just forget he, You forget Hyde. he even yeah. does because he's always Hyde. And <laughs> yeah. seeing him, seeing Jekyll, Dr. Calvin Zabo not able to turn into Hyde and like so badly want to, to the point that he's literally like grunting and grimacing and he just can't do it, yeah. you know? And But still going and getting in bar fights yeah. because he sees himself as this big bad supervillain, that as a character study alone, I was like, this is really interesting. This is good. Especially yeah, having just really read, well done. we just read those Grunewald cap issues where he gets like, oh yeah, <laughs> embarrassed by uh, Cobra. So it was fun seeing like the follow-up Which he references, right? Like, yeah, he right, says yeah. something oh, about yeah. it and it's like, go back and read Captain America. And he's like, I can't mm-hmm. believe I lost. <laughs> <laughs> to Cobra, the, the weirdest dweeb ever. <laughs> I know, it is really funny. I did like him here too. I agree with that. I think that that... Um, was a weird surprise. I also thought that it was just uh, a kind of impressive that they made it for so long without having a major guest appearance. Right <laughs> now, it's like yeah. kind of unheard of um, for it to go until like issue five or something, and then be like, "Ah, oh, it's the Punisher." <laughs> like I right, remember reading right. like the Jean Grey series where every single issue was a guest star or like stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, you're right because they go a... they go three issues without doing uh, a cameo. Really, At I mean all. the Kingpin I mean, a little bit. Yes, yeah. it speaks to yeah. a little like bit of a lack of confidence, too. You know, I think in, so. In yeah, the character. Yeah, which yeah. This was the, such the, a hot book whenever it came out, which is always really interesting to me. And people will be like, "Oh yeah, back then I worked at a comic shop or something," and like it was like the hottest book, but I didn't really read it. <laughs> it's like usually I mean, it's, what people say, and I'm like, I did. <laughs> it's so visually catching, right? Like that, that the image of him, like mm-hmm. that that design is so catching that I think like even. You know, because I, I, I'm I'm always like, ooh, Ghost Rider, that's cool. Despite feeling like I've never read like a very good Ghost Rider comic, you know, right? Like, I, I'm always just like, oh, Ghost Rider's on this team, that's interesting. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Have I ever really liked Ghost Rider? Not really. He's <laughs> he's gonna be later this year. Walt Simonson's gonna write him in to a Fantastic Fantastic Four comic <laughs> with a uh, like Spider Man and Fantastic and uh, Ghost Rider and a couple other people like form yeah. a new fantastic four for a little bit we're not reading it mm-hmm. this year but if you're oh, curious man. go go check this out we're not it's it's published this year but we're not reading it we're, re- uh, we're yeah, reading that comic. We're, no we're reading some fantastic four we're reading up to 341 and i think it's 347 yeah i i yes i remember that era um, oh no we're reading it as part of 1991 okay all right it's, it's just okay. it's because it, okay. it extends something has gone wrong if we're not reading that okay comic. all right yeah that sounds fun <laughs> Well, I, I do find it interesting that Ghost Rider comes out of the gates super hot in 1990 because it's like there's not really build up to this moment, you know. At least, like other than obviously, it being like Danny catches right, like <laughs> yeah. Other than it's just like you're literally having turned, <laughs> and like clearly culturally, it, it does feel like one of those things where they just it kind of just happened, or just Marvel editorial was like super on the ball. They were like, you know what, like this era needs it's it's the relaunch Ghost Rider, like he's gonna fit in with the hotness that is Punisher and Wolverine and whatever. And they nailed it. They nailed it in the timing and the launch. Cause otherwise it's like, what are they, what are they predicating that launch on? It's not like he has guest spots in, in other teams books, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it is interesting. They just kind of like read, read the right, uh, read the right trends and got him out at the right time. And then, yeah, Ghost Rider becomes a huge thing in they, the nineties, you know, cause from here he's crossing over with the X-Men. He's doing mm-hmm. all sorts of things, you know, he's, he's, he's everywhere. They did Rise of the Midnight Suns, and that was mm-hmm. like, they bring back Morbius, you know, like all of the characters. Um, and that, I mean, to me, all of that stuff is really fun. I like almost this entire series, and because it runs to 93, 94, if you count issue 94, um, those, they're all kind of likable for me. <laughs> so that's uh, pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Cool. 
Nice. Like most nice. most of it is missing from Marvel Unlimited. I, I saw. Oh, I've been only petitioning about, them. They've added only more. about like thirty five. They've added more finally, yeah. but yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of that that, that anything after like ninety three is still uh, still a crapshoot. But I'm always uh, we'll, uh, trying to we'll get them. Running. There's like five series or something that nobody else asked for, but that's why we're always talking about them on Bitches on Comics because I'm just like, please, I want to read all of these. Have you, and have you, you tweeted them, them about it? Like just tweeted at Marvel. Just go Unlimited. ahead and do like an at. Yeah, I might do that. I, we no, we I, just get. I literally I saw someone do that, and then Marvel Limited responded like. Thanks, I'll send it up to the top. Like, <laughs> Oh, dang, like, yeah, I should So I was it like, is it, is it that easy? Because I almost did it about... Um, oh, we, <laughs> it, is, I, it is not that easy. No, it's <laughs> not that easy. I mean, of course, that doesn't mean they're going to do it. But, like, they, they, you know, they at least pretend to listen. Um, I was going to send them a tweet about Nascenti's Daredevil, and someone oh, yeah. point, pointed out, Dave, when we were talking about a bunch being missing, they're just all out of order. They're actually all there. They're uh, They're just, like, the metadata is all screwed up, which, you know stinks mm. that they haven't fixed it but at least they are there uh the ones we just talked about well they've they've up, they've added a bunch well the i mean the other thing marvel unlimited is doing and, and i think it's no secret at this point is they're following my marvelous year and they are updating every time we cover a year by the time we're done with that year they have updated many comics that were included in that year i'm mm. not bitter i'm happy other people get to enjoy them <laughs> i'm just saying it would be useful when i'm scheduling and planning ahead to know that those comics were going to be added um but no it's great it's it's good i mean marvel limited i i do actually think They've gotten a lot of guff over the years. They have done, over the last, I would say, even five years, they've done an amazing job updating yeah. the catalog. There's, there's not um, a they, ton they've of... They've been doing a very regular update. There are still runs and things that people love and that should get updated. Dazzle. I, in particular, have, have taken them to task mm-hmm. for taking forever to do the Nascenti Daredevil, for taking forever to do a lot of Louis Simonson's work, because it is like, mm-hmm. why are the women writer runs the only ones yeah. that don't get updated? I think that's a problem. Um, but I think, broadly speaking, they've done a nice job. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, agreed. And I love to just be able to like read comics on my phone whenever I want to yeah. vanish into my phone, but I don't want to look mm-hmm. at social media. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So speaking of the next comic we read, it is Wolverine, the jungle action. <laughs> no, not jungle action. The jungle adventure. This is uh, a an almost graphic novel. It's not technically a Marvel OGN, even though it is, I mean, by all accounts, it is a, it is an original graphic novel mm-hmm. written by Walt Simonson, art by Michael Mignola, <laughs> inks by Bob Wycheck. Um, this, this book has a cover of Wolverine fighting apocalypse mm-hmm. in the Savage Land. <laughs> yes. And it is, it kind of almost builds to being that book, but that cover is a little misleading. It yes. is, it does Just not pay bit. off the way that I hoped it would. Um, this is one that I, I waffled on whether or not we should include. Ultimately, I decided, like, the, the players involved are interesting. It is an interesting story in that in, in the way that it disappoints, I think. Um, Sarah, let's start with you. What did you think of Wolverine, The Jungle Adventure? <laughs> well, all right. So context for me reading this story is, is that well before I was collecting comics, so back whenever I really was only, like, you know, seven years old, I remember getting a box of comics that had this comic in it and it was prestige format, right? So like it looked, what is that? Uh, Something fancy bound or whatever, like the the prestige format books, right? So that that's what it looked like. And I remember it having just such an interesting visual feel. And I was like a child and didn't understand too much about like the um, particulars of storytelling, I guess, (laughs) in the moment. And so I remember 
reading this again and again. And so for the longest time, I thought this was Apocalypse. I thought this was what Wolverine was always getting up to. I thought that like these characters were all going to be a way, way, way bigger deal. <laughs> and yeah. um, also I thought that like, yeah, I knew who Nick Fury was. Like there was the, the weird like out of continuity continuity that you get from this story specifically informed me for years to come um (laughs) and it looks nice though right like there's something really cool about obviously like magnolia's work is always really great but this is a kind of like his early period right he wasn't doing it for too long at this point um and it's great i mean it looks really nice the action sequences are really fun so uh (laughs) there's things where i'm like i don't know about that but like uh that's most comics of this era i guess for me um but yeah i do i did enjoy it uh initially a lot and now i'm like i still think it's all right yeah it's it's fun i i I like that especially i liked it as someone who has no expectations for apocalypse like (laughs) this was this was uh, definitely the best apocalypse story I feel like I've read. Uh, hmm. That's interesting because they they kind of Doctor Doom him a little yeah, bit, right? yeah, for yeah. sure. He gets to be but like, I, I liked his little. This is one of my apocalypse robots, you know, I, which is a, a good twist. Well, because his well, let's let's back up a little bit. Wolverine goes to the Savage Land because he had an assassination attempted <laughs> on him at uh, like halfway through intermission of a Broadway play, which is yeah. really funny, mm-hmm. um, and then. He like sniffs out on the assassin. He's it's a it's a robot, right? That assassinates him. It's a real like Mignola designed, uh, like homunculus looking robot thing. Um, yeah. And he uh, he sniffs out the Savage Land on it, and so he goes to the Savage Land. And eventually, he tracks down this uh, Apocalypse, who's like collecting. I don't know what to call them. Cave people in the uh, the Savage Land. Is there a tribe name for? These or are they just kind of like I mean, generic? Yeah, generic. The they're not tied to. They're not tied to Kazar. You know, yeah, yeah. Savage I think they were just kind of made you know, up character for this. that we know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they are. They are residents of that territory. Right. Yeah. So, um, an apocalypse. This apocalypse is collecting them and like doing his evolution work on them, which is the opposite of what apocalypse normally does, which is to strengthen mutants. And I was like, oh, I, maybe I don't understand what apocalypse's whole deal is. Maybe I got it messed up or something and then no it's Mm -hmm. like his robot uh you know he forgot to like remove the like human or mutant switch on his robot like which one it's going to bolster (laughs) and it accidentally got flipped to humans so this this robot uh is now trying to like help humans fight off mutants instead of vice versa and so the real apocalypse set wolverine on this it was just like yeah you you can take care of this for me right it's kind of one of those like the villain gets the hero to take care of someone who's a thorn in his side which I thought was fun. Yeah. Like that that works as me, you know, works for me as the kingpin, you know, getting Daredevil to take care of a lesser villain, mm-hmm. uh, get him out of his way. Um, I do like that kind of scheming. I think yeah. it fits Apocalypse quite well. I I think as far as so like Walt Simonson's the storyteller here. He's he's the writer. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he and Louis Simonson, you know, they co-created Apocalypse in the pages of X Factor. They clearly have an affinity for that character in this era as well. Like kind of their vision of what Apocalypse could have been, and it's definitely more of a a mastermind more of a master planner than i think a lot of times future writers might get you know um although even some stuff to come like executioner's song you know there's a lot of like apocalypses i think is most interesting when he has a big giant scheme that involves a lot of of timing and planning and a lot of things going right and he's at his worst when he's just like big and strong and tough um and i think this story does a nice job of kind of 
playing it both ways, where the robot gets to be the threat and act like this kind of mad scientist, this Doctor Doom or whatever, um, and then Wolverine has to go and stop him, only to realize, like, oh, this isn't even the real right guy. Like you said, Zach, it's a, it's, I love it when, yeah, Doom or Kingpin or whoever, like, manipulate the heroes basically into being like, yeah, you did exactly what I wanted, so joke's on you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of go about their way. Um, I Meg Mignola's art here, yeah, like you said, Sarah, it's very early Mignola. This is pre Hellboy. There are a few moments of very Hellboy looking design. Mm-hmm. Like there's one yeah. of Wolverine cloaked in shadow. I think he's just got like the red of his eyes, and I'm like, oh, oh, there's Hellboy. Like there's we, a couple read, panels like we that. just read Triumph and Torment last year, which I think is the first Mignola we saw in the club mm. so far for Marvel, and that was like I'm reading Hellboy right now, like trying to do a read through this year. And, uh, and that was like, yeah, there's little hints here and there in Triumph and Torment, but like, I kind of, I wouldn't have put it together if I didn't know it. This, I would have. This is like, he's really starting to become like the artist he becomes, but it's still not quite there yet. It is kind of remarkable how much he's going to progress in the next three years before Hellboy really kicks off. Um, cause he, he mm-hmm. starts up Hellboy so confident, but, uh, I yeah. Think big they, picture though, like this isn't, this really isn't a super special book. It's kind of a... It's an interesting, like, oddball curiosity, you know? Like, right. if you're a huge if you're a huge X-Men Wolverine fan, if you're a huge fan of these creators, it's worth the time. I definitely wouldn't put it on any essentials or even, uh, like, you, I don't even I know don't, that it hits, like, hidden gem status. I don't me, know. That, to, to me, I really like Wolverine here, and I like him a lot more than a lot of the Wolverine we've read lately from Claremont. Sure. Like, I like yeah, it a lot better than that. the Wolverine solo series. That series is, like, just such a snooze to me. Like, I, I don't For know. For a there's while, some, yeah. Yeah, all the Madripoor stuff and him, like, his his whole personality there just, like, almost never works. And he, he strikes a balance here of being, like, surly, but a little a little smirk, you know? Like, he's... There, there's a little Hellboy, actually. I was wondering, I was like, did Mignola have a hand in writing any of this? Because there's a little bit of that, like, um, cockiness in the same way, like a, a like a oversized silliness to him. Like, what, what does he say when... Well, that's that's that is Simonson's style. I, I think that oversized silliness, I think, is actually a pretty yeah, apt yeah. descriptor sure. of his work to this point. Now, a question because I heard this a few weeks ago: Does Wolverine have a kid in this story? Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. What? Yeah. Like it never gets brought up again. That's why I'm like, this has to be out of continuity. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, it's easy enough to hand wave. It. <laughs> it's easy to hand wave away. Easy to hand wave. I don't know because, about that. Because it's not explicit, right? <laughs> it is just like the woman that he that it's inferred he sleeps with here has a baby at the end but also you could just uh-huh. be like they didn't sleep together because it's not particularly explicit <laughs> in, yeah you know, I, oh i thought it was pretty like, explicit that caused yeah. like damian wayne and like all right exactly yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. oh Whereas speaking here, of isn't that also is that mignola too doing that uh he, he worked it? with with starlin on those or am i confusing oh i have no what idea what are you talking about the what, the, what, are, what are you rumbling about <laughs> Speak your mind I, I know Mignola did a bunch of Batman at the same time, and I was wondering if he did the same. If he did Son Damian of Damian Wayne, Damian Wayne comes in the the two thousands during the Grant Morrison. No, because he, he it's like eighty seven. Uh, oh no, it's Mike Barr and Jerry Bing, Bingham. I don't know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh okay, yeah. So, Son of the Demon. There's like a graphic novel that's basically oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. out of continuity until later, later it become when gets they brought. Were like... Well, let's just make that you know real. Um, that that could happen with Wolverine is all I'm saying here. It's if a writer yeah, wanted sure. to, yeah, if yeah. a writer wanted to, and they've already done stuff with with little... Wolverine's kids here and there, and these weird you know different sort of stories that, that of we still kind of hand wave. Another Wolverine kid. And well, and that's that's a problem. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem with Wolverine now. Is like 
at, at what point, like, how many kids is too many? Like, how many point, like, how many kids can he have? I didn't before know he had like, eight kids. This character is so irredeemable are, am I because he had so many kids. Should I edit this? Because is this a spoiler? I didn't know he had any children. We won't. We won't. I'm not going to talk about the specifics of the continuity, but I'm just saying. Wolverine has too many kids that he has not supported. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Dead, dead. Yes. All right. Uh, okay, so uh, that leads us into the last one we read, last graphic novel. This is Black Widow, The Coldest War. Um, and this was the, the first graphic novel, Sarah, that I asked you to cover for Comic Book Herald. That's and right. A, and it a was Black in... Widow uh, graphic novels p- piece feature. Yeah, yeah I was going right. to say, like, there's the yeah, you wrote that whole big uh, reading order of the graphic novels, right? There was four, right, that were all released so. in the early 90s. Is that correct? Yeah. Or maybe like late yeah, yeah. 80s, early 90s? No, yeah. For, no, nine, 90s through 95. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah, definitely. And I think I don't remember 100%, but I'm pretty sure this was my favorite among the bunch, actually, mm-hmm. um, because I think that Natasha is very interesting in this book. And that is kind of rare for <laughs> Natasha. Um, there's yeah. a whole eras of Natasha stories, right? Where it's just like, um, you know, it's just oh yeah i think as as was talked about on my show bitches on comics russia stuff spy stuff (laughs) like russia stuff um Mm -hmm. and that's basically all that we see from her most of the time i'm not gonna say that this story doesn't have that um but she herself is very interesting here right like i think Mm -hmm. that they kind of flesh her out in ways that surprised me a little bit and i think one of the benefits to the coldest war is it is wholly a black widow story whereas you know some of the graphic novels with her that come later marvel starts to be like black widow and daredevil black widow and nick fury right and they feel like oh we better pair her with someone else whereas in this version it's totally a natasha story and so this one's written by jerry conway we got pencils by george freeman there's like eight thousand inkers on this Mm -hmm. which is perplexing (laughs) like i'm like i don't i don't totally understand like just from a production process how that would ever be a good idea um but it, it it's definitely i think freeman's visuals here there were two things that stood out to me one he looks heavily influenced by john romita jr mm-hmm. i think the way he draws very angular faces very long noses i thought everything looked like kind of jr jr light and then the second thing there's a lot of really weird cleavage in this graphic novel <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like an excessive excessive amount of like desexualized because it's like almost yeah, Picasso, gonna... like angular you know yeah, yeah. But there's no, I, a lot I think of it's it. just stylized but i don't think it's trying to be you know gross maybe it's super fashionable for the era i don't know it, it's noticed. very uh aeon flux if you've uh if you've watched that okay like the animation right, style yeah. feels like that where like there, there's um you know like a little bit of androgyny throughout <laughs> um for male and female characters and then like um yeah the kind of like proportions which are like not particularly sexualized even though they are like what's the word like heightened or uh, exaggerated proportions because mm-hmm. um, I, I would say they do they do a fair amount of like what you would hope a black widow graphic novel would do less of when it's with all male creatives which is you know showing a lot of skin right and having these scenes and these steamy moments of her mm-hmm. getting dressed in this and that they do that stuff um but it, just visually it's like so kind of angular that it's like almost I don't know. I'm like, do, do they get a pass because it's so weird looking? <laughs> I wasn't, I I wasn't like, really yeah, sure. I didn't. To me, yeah, 
I don't know. There's a big difference between this and if like Greg Horn was doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I never felt me, like it was trying to trying to you know make me horny. That right, seem... which is what I kind of liked about it too, and it kind yeah. of reminds me of uh, Larry Stroman too, like a little bit from like mm. X Factor, the yeah. the relaunch that comes in the years from now. Um, no, it's right. Yeah, right about here. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, cool. Well, Larry Stroman's art is pretty great, so I already liked. Oh yeah, his style. Totally. I guess so. I'm, lo- I'm looking that up it's very very on point yeah totally yeah but it, i i uh agree with the eon flux reference too because there's a little bit of that style she looks um, just like the the main character from eon flux a lot eon. here <laughs> yeah it, yeah yeah right yes exactly i <laughs> love that cartoon though too um oh, so good yeah I like a lot of this comic. I think that there are things... I mean, there's so much where it's just like, yeah, this is... If if it was rearranged just a little bit, I feel like it wouldn't work at all, right? Because there's, Mm -hmm. like, this heavy lean on, like, her romantic life and, like... That's been something where it's like almost always to her detriment, you know, in these stories, because it's just like, I loved this man I killed (laughs) or like whatever. (laughs) We we used to joke like that they were obsessed with like the name. Yeah. And they couldn't get away from the idea that like she was just constantly being like, I can't fall in love because he'll die. And it's like that hasn't that didn't even happen like in the 60s. It was really a thing, right? Yeah, it wasn't even really a thing that it just felt like they kind of had felt like they had to keep forcing on her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I like the fact that they explore her relationships in a way that is more interesting to me here. Like, I like that she has been kind of hung up on this dude who died and like that, you know, even in trying to reconnect with him, that was never going to be a possibility. And she kind of has to learn that. Um, so a lot of the walls that she's kept up towards people maybe don't make that much sense. And then, um, you know, like her kind of talking with Daredevil for a second, their kind of sad, weird flirtation that they always have, yeah. um, which I yeah. like. I like I was their wishing relationship. That, that went more because I was like, I thought that's cool, too. That's like one of the more interesting relationships for both I her and Daredevil. So. It's one of these fun like, oh, like it doesn't. It's not something you would have immediately thought, but it just makes sense. You know, it just feels the right. First, yeah, the first Black Widow story that I remember ever reading was, I believe, Carrie Nord was the artist. And I don't remember. It's like maybe in the 300s somewhere. And uh, mm. she just shoots him in the chest. Like, that's the story. Like, she he stands in the way of her plans. And she's just like, oh, my God, people are going to die. I have to shoot this guy. So she shoots him. And then, like, at the end of the story, she's just kind of like yeah, but I am sorry, I didn't kill you, you know, like, get over it. And he's just like, all right, I mean, what am I supposed to say? So (laughs) I like their relationship. And also, uh, it comes up again in that abattoir, right? Like, there's another of these OGNs where it is... See, that's maybe what I like about this is, like, it breaks it up. At least, like, the focus on the boyfriends is, like, broken up. (laughs) Like, it's Mm -hmm. not a constant focus like it is in you know a lot of these others like in the one where she teams up with punisher it's totally just them like yelling like macho lines at each other you know Mm -hmm. and it's just there's there's a lot to it where you you know her stories aren't necessarily her own and there is some of that here but i just think that it's dealt with so much more in such like a much more interesting way than it usually is and i get a sense of how lonely she is. And that's something that I don't think they always portray very well, right? Because it's like, I'm the widow, and now it's just like, yeah, but she's 
really sad about it. Like every person that she knows and loves and cares about sees her as somebody who will turn on them. <laughs> like, you know, yep. and it's like, there's just something tragic about that. So I, I get that sense here. And that's why I think I like this story so much. I think it taps into pretty effectively uh, what is one of the core questions and one of the core challenges of the Black Widow character um, as she's perceived today in comics and the MCU, which is kind of like, what is what would happy be for her? Like, how could she actually achieve like some level of inner peace or satisfaction? You know, like like Natasha Romanoff as a person, what is she actually looking for? And this comic does at least explore those questions through her lens, you know, and it ties some of it back potentially to like her, like basically like in some ways before all the Black Widowness of it, you know, when she was with the Red Guardian here, who there's, you know, she is led to believe is maybe back from the dead. Um, They do some exposition about, you know, those 70s Avengers comics in which he died the first time, you know, where he was manipulated by as a Russian operative and then ultimately, you know, sacrificed himself to save Natasha and the Avengers. Um, But it's, it's an interesting kind of ongoing question that I think like, comics and just as we approach an actual mcu solo movie you know several years too late but coming for the black widow it's like what uh what does what does she want (laughs) i think is a question that doesn't get asked a lot you know Mm -hmm. um and it's an interesting thing to explore and i think one thing conway does pretty well as a storyteller here is to not come down too ham-handed or too heavy-fisted on like oh she just wants to have a family and stop like that's right. that's not necessarily yeah. the outcome that you get. Um, although it is like, yeah, maybe she'd want to have the choice to stay with Red Guardian, you know. So maybe it's just about having the choices. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a meditative exploration of her, you know, getting to like have closure mm-hmm. on on these relationships and and some ownership of it that isn't manipulated by other people, despite um, all the spy games that she's caught up in. And I think those spy games are like. It, it's hard. I don't know. It, it it seems like a very hard thing to make interesting in a comic book. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to build that kind of tension without action, I think. Um, and so it's not done that successfully most of the time. I think it works here pretty well. I think like they establish the the all the players and then like the double crosses and the triple crosses and etc. Right, like back and forth enough that this stays engaging. Not that like this couldn't use a little cleaning up. I think like. A little, edit, a little editing and a little like smoothing out of some plots and extraneous characters this would be better but like overall i think like the story works as well as it does because that like main conflict is set up pretty well and like the stakes are are clear throughout which is tough to do it's tough to do with like especially with just like cold war cold war stuff which is like some of the least interesting um... yeah just yawn right <laughs> right because it's you know everyone <laughs> Everyone in 1989 cared a lot more about the Cold War and was much more, um, I don't know, uh, had a a much more like nationalistic point of view about the whole thing than uh, we seem to today. There's Mm -hmm. some there's some good visual stuff, I think, on the spy front, too, that George Freeman does here in terms of the panel layout. Where like when Natasha is going to the U.N. and and the there's that time stamped. Um, you know, layout where it's like, here's what she was doing in the morning versus here's what she's doing in the evening. Here's how it paid off. I actually really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, there's a version of that, you know, there's a 30 years later version of that that is like some of the coolest artwork you've ever seen. Yeah. And this is not that. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's a fun idea. It's executed well. It tells the story effectively. I mean, I think, you know, one thing, I actually appreciate this being, you know, a Marvel graphic novel because, you know, unlike a, like a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spire or, or whatever, that sort of 
very uh, intricate, detailed, like insular kind of spy story where I'm often just like, what is happening? Like, why are they doing these things? Right. Like, I actually have a hard time following it. In an, in a Black Widow, Coldest War graphic novel, I have no problems following it <laughs> because everything, <laughs> it's spelled out it on the same page, what she did versus what happened. I actually appreciate that here. I think it's a cool way to lay it out. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah, agreed. All right, so Black Widow, Coldest War. I think, like, all, like, tentative recommendations. I mean, a strong yeah. rec from Sarah on on the Ghost Riders. <laughs> I'm actually pretty curious to read some more 90s Ghost Rider, I got to say. My my Midnight Suns experience is limited. You know, I've, I've kind of done the sort of, like, the tie-in crossover events before, but I haven't really, like, dug into those series fully. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of excited about, like, diving into, yeah, Morbius and the Darkhold and, and Ghost Riders, all that stuff kind of takes on, uh, you know, some some meaningful standing here in 2021. <laughs> as I, we I all think, yeah, I, my, my interest in the Danny Ketch era will be, like, totally about him, like, as a character and whether or not, like, I can start getting invested in him more because I. This is where yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, the aesthetic of Ghost Rider is starting to work for me, and this is like a, a fun comic on the hero level. But this character, I mean, not that I was over the moon about Johnny Blaze either, um, but like I, you know, I, I start needing something more to him to uh, to like hook me in. Um, you know, one thing I did think with the first issue was I'm like, how much more into this Ghost Rider series I would be if it was Danny's sister. Who oh, hopped yeah, on the bike? Totally. That would be cool, right, Barb? <laughs> oh, she's, yeah. uh, she's more interesting. Fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bar- Barb in that first character. scene is a lot more interesting than like, oh, I don't know if we should be here, sis. Like, yeah, that the, 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 the like the bold uh, girl who's just like who kicks some teenagers when they like threaten to steal her bag. Kicks, or, kicks them. Yeah, like kicks them. Right, <laughs> <in> <laughs> right. Like, um, not that, that she doesn't get to be the ghost. On that one. She doesn't get to be the ghost rider, but the the little no, like the dweeb who's uh, who's nervous With his about cool being hair, there. yeah, <laughs> and his leather jacket. Um, yeah, I my favorite ghost rider is Robbie Reyes. That's still a ways off from here, but yeah, I, mean, I would yeah. say that out of all of the ghost riders I've ever read, that's my favorite. He's the one who's the most together. I think he has a lot going on um and his his aesthetic is unbeatable you know like as good as he's got a cool look yeah yeah his look is just incredible and so he's always been my favorite but i would say that i still appreciate danny uh barbara should be way more in that story of course and going forward yeah people aren't going to be happy with how that goes but um but she's a great character and i appreciate they that they introduced her at least as such an interesting character uh despite how that goes um and then yeah johnny blaze is just a wreck who's kind of fun to read about because of what a wreck he is (laughs) yeah 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 all right sarah this has been a pleasure uh where should people look for your stuff and uh where can they find you yeah, um, you can look up sarahcentry.com and <laughs> observe how long it's been since I've updated it. And also Twitter, right? Because I think that that's where I post the most regularly. I have an Instagram, but it's literally just cat pictures. And yeah, I mean, th- that happens on my Twitter, bunny, too. Bunny like, pictures, don't get me wrong. yeah. Tons of rabbit pictures on mm-hmm. my Twitter, yeah, yeah these days, right. because she's dominating my life right now. Like she, she's yeah. very, very rascally, rascally rabbit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just turned into Elmer Fudd accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, totally just Twitter, pretty much at uh, Sarah Century. Cool, Zach. Where can people find you? Uh, I, never, I never ask you. Well, I usually just say it. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm know. asking. Uh, it's on, uh, Twitter's good. That's where I usually do most social media. 
Um, I feel bad we for need, people. I, we I need get, Twitter to start paying us. We're plugging them a lot. <laughs> yeah, I I see you know every day or two I get some followers on Instagram. I feel bad because I don't I don't post there. It, it's I mean not that I post that much on Twitter either, but I just I, I have a hard time getting motivated to post things on Instagram. It's just not something uh, social media I connect with. Yeah, okay. and it's always like more personal stuff, right? Like that's how I feel. Like I'll post a picture of like you know my brother or something. I'm like Twitter doesn't need to know that I have a brother. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want you, you want to let Twitter know anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I don't. I'm just like the walls are up. Okay, like <laughs> we'll never find those who are close to me. That's why I have my secret identity. <laughs> when you yes. when you post that picture, of your brother on Twitter, the first comment will be your your comments on sisters is deafening. Your silence on sisters <laughs> is deafening, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, are you, exactly. Are, are you anti-siblings? Is that why you didn't tell us about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you just hate siblings? Um, I'm sorry. It's all true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heard it here first. All right, cool. So, yeah, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Combo Herald. Uh, we're My Marvelous Year. Music for the show is by Disaster Piece. You can find uh, ways to support the show over at patreon.com slash Year, as well as all the comics we'll be reading. You can find those comics in the show notes as well. I think next time, I already th- I bit Zach. I, I, got I had it up. it up, and then I said, no, do you got it? What are we reading next time? We're going to read some more Nascenti Daredevil. <laughs> Which is very Yay. exciting. Mm-hmm. Got some Simonson Fantastic Four, which uh, is that, uh, and uh, <laughs> and some uh, some Hulk. And this is pretty exciting. Um, one of our patrons is uh, it added in a new comic, Brute Force, which all I know about is that there's a walking dolphin. Are we talking about that next time? Are we talking yeah. about that next episode? Yep, that's the next. All right, episode. I'm looking forward to it. Brute Force has had a renaissance over the last uh, year or so. Oh, Disney yeah. Plus showcase with Paul Shear. They had a reference in a loosely x-men tied in thing written by ben percy big year for brute force <laughs> i am very curious i had no context it's for it before back. except looking at the cover when this uh our patron added it all right that'll be a fun one thanks yep. everybody and uh we will see you next year see you next year mm-hmm.